Hey there, it's Susan. I'm taking a bit of a break from recording new episodes this month. I hope you're taking a break too. I hope you're listening to this episode somewhere beautiful and relaxing. And in the interest of encouraging breaks this month, I've picked out a few of my very favorite interviews about taking breaks and prioritizing rest. I hope you enjoy. In reality, I do check email more than twice a week, but by setting that twice a week expectation, the pressure's off for me, the pressure's off for other people. Having the boundary there removes any stress and it makes it so that if I do have time for email a third time a week, great. Boundaries are all about setting guidelines for how you work. We have the freedom to design just about any business we want and we can work with clients in a hundred different ways to deliver our service. But how that works has a lot to do with the boundaries you set in place. Boundaries are expectations, guidelines, or frameworks around how we want our work and our lives to happen. And they're a really effective way to both deliver better customer service and make your business more efficient. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we talk unconventional strategies to increase your operational capacity, And we're diving into the theme of opting out this month, talking about making conscious choices about what you want to do or not do in your business and how you can use opting out as a great tool for freeing up space in your business and building more resiliency into your processes. And today we're talking boundaries, choosing how you work with clients, when you work with clients and who you work with in the first place. From your very first interaction with a client or a prospect, You're giving them hints about how you work, or even explicitly setting expectations for how you'll work together. So if you take four days to respond to their request for information, they might have the impression that you're a little slow. React immediately, and they'll think you're always available. What choices we make about where our boundaries are or are not can have a huge effect on your overall capacity and how much time it takes to actually serve each client. You could put boundaries in place around who you work with, Maybe that means a specific industry or size of client. Having those boundaries means that you're not constantly trying to reinvent the wheel and you can start to create some economies of scale and really build some expertise in dealing with that specific kind of client. Or you can set boundaries around how you work with a client, maybe with specific communication channels. So maybe you have a Slack channel or a Trello board for communication with them instead of email. So maybe that's a boundary for you. And having a centralized place where you communicate with all your clients means more efficiency on your end, which gives you more time for other things. So as you can see, this can pretty much apply to any area of your business. Boundaries can be a really powerful tool when we're talking about streamlining or increasing your operational capacity. And today we're going to dig into them with my guest, Brittany Berger. She's the founder of WorkBrighter.co, which is a digital media company that helps productive unicorns go beyond working smarter to a version of productivity that makes room for unproductive things like rest, self-care, and fun. And she started WorkBrighter after five years running content marketing in really high-stress startups that prioritized hustle, growth, and scaling over self-care and mental health. Now that she's changed her own mindset, she spends her time helping other high achievers define balance for themselves and advocating for mental health awareness. Brittany has really well-defined boundaries for reasons we'll dive into during the episode, but let's just say her boundary game is strong. We'll talk about the boundaries she's set in her business, why she has the kind of business she does, and how she uses her boundaries to make sure she's taking care of herself and prioritizing stuff besides work too. 
So let's dive in. Hi, Brittany. I am so glad to have you here. I'm really excited to dig into our discussion here on boundaries today. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start with talking about the boundaries that you have. You know, where do you have really specific boundaries, either in your business or just in life in general? How did they, you know, how did you come to those boundaries and what do they look like for you? I have a lot of boundaries. Um, I just wrote an email to my list last week about how like I prefer being a creature of habit. A lot of times that's used as like a bad thing. And I'm like, no, I want to be able to be a creature of habit and just like pick the right ones. Um, and so just I kind of look as look at boundaries as like kind of guardrails for routines and stuff like that. And so I have a lot of them around like my energy, both physical and mental. Um, so like something that's kind of unique and not necessarily for business is like I have a range of steps to hit per day. Um, like, you know, I have my Fitbit and like a lot of people with a Fitbit or some other kind of step counter, I try to get like that step step goal for the day. But a lot of people just want to get as many steps as possible. But because I have a lot of health issues, I need to make sure I don't overdo it. So I actually have a range where, you know, if I want to be able to get out of bed tomorrow, I can't go above a certain number of steps per day. And the same is true for my heart rate. So, you know, I have limits around that kind of stuff, which um, a lot of people might not think of. But then I also have things around like the number of meetings I have per day and per week, because um, I like to say, you know, all introverts have like the introvert wall where they're just like done and then they can't bring good energy to the rest of the socializing they have to do for the week. And so I really... Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't... As an introvert myself, I'm like, I can definitely feel meeting burnout on days where I have to go meeting to meeting. Exactly. Like I would rather say, you know, like, you know what, like I want to be able to bring my best self to our call together. So let's do it this other day instead of this other this day that I'd be tired. We were talking about this before we pressed record, but uh, I also have a lot of boundaries around email. And those are probably the ones that I've actively been honing for the longest time just because I feel like um, I feel like it was back in 2014 or 15 that I first started really getting serious about inbox management because it was so out of control that like it was spent I was spending like half my workday on it. And so it's just been a long journey, not just in setting boundaries with other people around my email use, but also with myself. So for example, you've noticed that in my email signature, I have um, like kind of a disclaimer that says I only check email twice a week. And not only that, I also say like, um, this is so that I can focus more on deep work and self care. And I'm sure you could probably do the same thing. And so I don't just say what I'm doing. I'm saying why. And I'm suggesting the other person set boundaries too. So I really do love that signature uh, because I feel like a lot of times there's this myth that setting boundaries means like being mean or rude. Um, and I feel like a lot of autoresponders are mean or rude. And so I didn't want mine to Absolutely. be. Like what struck me about it was that it was very conscientious. Yeah. Um, and very, it very much embodied that you were respectful of your own boundaries. And the part that I loved about that, like as the recipient was, I was like, oh, I should, I should do that. <laughs> like it came across in a way that, um, you're right. Wasn't mean, but was like, Hey, these, this is just how I work. Um, if you want to work with me, great. And we'll all respect these boundaries. But it also said to me that if I have boundaries, 
that you are someone that I could work with that would respect my boundaries. 100%. Yeah. I No one's ever put it like that to me. And I do get a lot of feedback on this signature. People love it. I think at the beginning of your business, you're like, yep, take whatever, do whatever. I'm just going to do. And I think there's an aspect that you need to do that. But at some point you realize that you have to put boundaries in place or you will lose your mind. And then exactly. trying to decide what the boundary is and how you're going to stick to that personally, I think can be some of the hardest things to do. Even after you've set a boundary in place, exactly. getting yourself yeah. to reinforce that boundary over and over. So how do you how do you deal with that from your own personal perspective of I've now set a boundary? How do you not go over that boundary when somebody has a special request or, um, you know, you really want to help somebody? How, how do you deal with that personally? Well, like I said at the beginning, I really view them as guidelines. So they're kind of suggested, you know, I don't take boundaries as super, super strict rules for myself. Like I was going to say on the topic of email, in reality, I do check email more than twice a week, but by setting that twice a week expectation, the pressure's off for me, the pressure's off for other people. And so maybe mm -hmm. I do respond to the email quicker, but having the boundary there removes any stress and it makes it so that if I do have time for email a third time a week, great. But that's just like a bonus. And so I feel like it's just a lot of like learning your own limits and gently testing them. And then by having them in place, even when you break them, by having them there, you question yourself. So by having this expectation that I check email less frequently, like it does kind of make me double, you know, like question myself when I want to check email to like a third time or something. Um, so like another boundary that I have actually is using social media on my phone. Um, like instead of using screen time or instead of deleting the apps completely, like I don't try to set like a hard and fast rule around how much time I spend on social media on my phone. I want to set boundaries around like the intention. I don't want to be on social media when I'm supposed to be working. I don't want to be on it when I'm like talking with someone else or, you know, like socializing. Um, however, you know, if I am just hanging on the couch, not working, fine. If I, I spend a lot of time in cabs because I live in New York City, like that's the perfect time for me to check in on social. So <laughs> what I do is instead of having the actual apps, social media apps downloaded on my phone, I have the mobile websites, like the web app version uh, bookmarked in my phone's browser and I don't auto log in. And so in order for me to check social media, I have to first open up Safari, then I have to go to the website, then I have to log into the website. So I just added enough friction that make me second guess myself. And so I don't go into it for the wrong reasons. Um, because when things are really easy, um, which is kind of a good thing in most cases, you know, like when you're systemizing the right things and you want to make the right things easy, but then like the wrong stuff, you want to add a little extra friction. So instead of just having like, a Facebook icon right on my home screen, it's several taps away. And it gives me a lot of time to be like, Brittany, you're not supposed to be doing this. Brittany. <laughs> no, I love that. Because I've tried the like, hide it in a folder on my phone or um, download the apps that make you like breathe before you do it. And <laughs> I always end up going around it. Like I have screen time, you know, set on my phone to alert. And I just go around it every single time. Um, and I love the the kind of, I don't want to call it a hack, but it 
like <laughs> go into your web browser, log in. Yeah, like I just um, like to call it making, friction. Making extra steps that really are a pain in the butt. Yeah, like I just need to I like slow things slow things down. Like I really look at it as like the amount of friction and what's the opposite of friction, like smoothness. Um, like I want to make all of my good habits as smooth as possible and things that are bad habits, I want to add extra friction to them. That totally makes sense. Um, so we, you mentioned a little bit at the beginning of the episode about um, building habits and how your your boundaries are based around habits that you want to build. And so how have setting those boundaries or those habits in place kind of impacted your ability to do better work or more productive? How, how, what kind of impact have you seen? It just makes everything so much easier. It comes back again to like friction versus smooth. Um, I'm very much working with my natural rhythms and limits instead of trying to push past things and constantly leap out of my comfort zone. Um, like I talk a lot in work writer content about I don't like the phrase leap out of your comfort zone. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's fine to just like stretch it and gently push, go right over the limit, like toe the line, just like, you know, kind of, take this slower approach. I really try to just go with my natural rhythms. I try to just kind of stretch my comfort zone inch by inch instead of making tons of change really quick. Um, and all of this way, it's just like kind of really built more around sustainable productivity versus working, 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 burning out, and then like breaking momentum and needing to rest and recover. And it's like I'm working at a slower pace but I'm, you know, I'm showing up more consistently and things are easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk a lot about um, managing energy and how focusing, paying attention to your energy levels can have an impact on um, what that kind of sustainable productivity looks like. Can you dig a little bit deeper into that? Talk to me about like how you manage your energy. Sure. So I do it like, and I really just managing your energy just comes down to being willing to change your schedule or your to-do list around or to accommodate your energy because both of those are for most people are way less or are way more flexible than how much energy you have in your body and your brain. Um, yeah. And so especially uh, for someone like me who has physical and mental health problems, both of them, it's just way easier to adapt my to-do list for the day around my health and energy for the day than to try to, again, push push through things and just push past my boundaries for the sake of getting things done. And it might, on, on the surface, I can see how people think it's like counterintuitive to like just be willing to throw out your to-do list any day of the week, uh, which like I am. Uh, like for example, yesterday I planned to get a lot done. Uh, then I went out for a walk and it was way colder than I thought and that impacted my body a little bit and I needed to take it easy the rest of the day. And that was fine. And I was willing to do that because I knew that it would be worth it later on in the week rather than if I had tried to just push through things and wear myself out. Um, and so like a really tangible example of how this makes me more productive is I used to follow the really popular tip, eat the frog around productivity. And it's based on some Mark Twain quote. And it's just saying like, do the hardest thing on your to-do list first thing that day. And it makes sense on the surface like to get the hard thing over with. But when you take your energy into account, I do not have a lot of creative mental energy in the mornings and I am a writer. And so my hardest thing is usually content creation 
and all of that kind of just stringing full (laughs) sentences together in a coherent way. It wasn't easy for me in the mornings. And I did that though for so many years. And when I finally uh, started, when I finally switched to writing in the afternoon, um, eventually I started making it the last thing I did before I left work. And this was when I was full-time in an office. Um, I started writing so much faster. And so I was able to write like better quality content in less time just by shifting the time of day that I did the task at based on my based on my energy. And so it was more productive. It was easier. It gave me time back and it was just awesome. And it just was a simple rearranging my schedule. Yeah, I can see that. So I have, um, I have the opposite where I am most creative first thing in the morning. So like if I, if writing is not the first thing that I do, like I lose it, but I lose my ability to really concentrate and like think very creatively in the early afternoon. So I have to do like bookkeeping, <laughs> like stuff that doesn't really, I could just click and point and, um, so yeah, it's, that's interesting because I have, I have definitely the opposite, but have shifted <laughs> so that, uh, I am doing my hardest thing at the point when I have the highest energy. So I, I love that idea. Yeah. And that's really what we should all be doing. And that's just going to be a different time of day for everyone. But I feel like we've all been taught to get up in the morning first, first thing, thing, the hardest yeah. things first methods. Yeah. So let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about how do you manage the, if you're going to throw out your to-do list every day, um, you know, if, or be at least be prepared to, how do you handle that when you have specific deadlines or specific, um, things that you have to get done? Are you working far enough ahead that you can, you know, you have a day or two to play around with, or how do you manage that kind of perspective with the deadlines that we all kind of have to manage? Um, I've definitely always focused on the type of work that kind of has compounding interest. This is something I've only recently figured out how to describe, but like, I have just always been very willing to put in work for things that will pay off in compounding levels later on. And so that has served me well. Um, in terms of by the time I was full time in my business, 50% of it was already coming from like somewhat Mm. passive products, in addition to services. So that has been um, like, stable in terms of like deadlines and stuff like that. It's just very steady. um, Up until earlier this year, when I kind of retired (laughs) half of my offerings. Um, So I'm still rebuilding that back up. Um, But yeah, and just also, again, boundaries with clients. I do work ahead, but I also do have understandings with my clients that my health comes first, including above like revenue and deadlines. And I do recognize that there is uh, is a privilege in that, Um, you know, like not, you know, I have a very supportive partner. Um, and so I don't need to prioritize my business's revenue and how much I'm paying myself over everything else right now. Um, but then on the other hand, I would kind of love the privilege of not having to pay this. Yeah, much absolutely. To my <laughs> um, so how do you approach that conversation with clients? It's just interesting. I haven't had to do that that much. Um, just because of 
the way that I've met my clients, a lot of them are people that I knew beforehand. And so they, before they even came, you know, even, you know, before we even started talking about working together, a lot of times they either knew me directly or were on my email you're list. Very, and I'm very, yeah, I know you're very transparent about with. Um, the health issues. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons is because it does make these conversations easier because I never really feel like I'm dropping um, a huge unexpected twist on someone. Like I don't need to worry about telling them uh, about my health and which is just, you know, always difficult to talk about. We can focus on what that means for them. I just, I'm have great clients too. You know, anyone who's ever given me red flags around like deadlines, um, you know, like I, I have had some clients that were, weren't super cool around being 12 hours or a day or two flexible with deadlines. And so I'm no longer working with them, but for the most part, uh, it's something people have always been very understanding of. And if anything, I feel like has earned me a little bit of respect. I get that. So you mentioned about how you have kind of the privilege to define success in your business in ways that are not necessarily tied to, um, to profit or revenue. So talk to me a little bit how you have dis- defined success and how that helps you choose what to focus on or what to opt out of, or um, talk to me a little bit how you define success. Sure. So it's uh, kind of important context that when I left my full-time job, it wasn't to run my business. It was to go on medical leave <laughs> for um, like who knew how long. And so just really for me, as long as I am staying healthy, staying out of the hospital, and I am contributing to my household, like even just some money, like my goal is just to pay myself, you know, like to make some profit. Um, so, you know, enough to cover expenses, cover taxes, and also pay myself even just a little bit. I've really prioritized things around um, my mental health right now. And part of that is hap- part of that's physical, my physical health and the other stuff we've talked about. And then another part of that is just like happiness. Like I said, I've, ha- I don't, anymore work with clients that like I have to super explain myself to. Um, I don't take on clients in niches that I have zero interest in anymore. And while I do like to try new things, like if I, it's things that seem fun. So one example is um, earlier this fall, I launched a new course and uh, I was super hesitant to do, to launch the beta with a webinar uh, because I don't think that that kind of content is my strength, but I t- figured I'd try it for the sake of experimentation. It was kind of a flop. Uh, but then I was like, okay, what is my strength? What would I find fun? Because I know that a lot of times when people's first webinar don't go well in a launch, they'll do like an encore of it. And I was like, no, I am not doing this again if it didn't work the first time. Um, and so instead I turned the webinar content into a short ebook like the outline. And I figured, okay, writing is more of a strength than speaking for me. So I'll take the same content and I will put it into writing form. And I tried to salvage the launch that way. And it totally worked. I just really try to prioritize leveraging my strengths and my interests and look for ways to make that as profitable as possible. So was there any particular um, either business design choice or process choice, some way that you chose 
to operate in your business, something that you chose to opt out of or approached unconventionally that made a big difference to how easy your business to, was to run or how resilient it is in terms of you being able to still operate the business when sometimes your health doesn't allow you to be there all the time and you know that it needs to be consistent? Was there something that you did or decided at the beginning um, that made that more possible for you? So for one thing is that um, I haven't followed the normal kind of route of doing one-on-one services. And then from there, once you've been booked out, scaling one to many, and then from there going to products. Uh, I started my first e-course before I ever started doing services for anyone, uh, just based on like blogging and talking to coworkers at my job at the time. And it was only after that that I started started supplementing stuff with services. And uh, I've never even like really been, I guess, officially booked out. I guess, you know, it, in terms of my own <laughs> definition, I, I am booked out. But um, yeah, in terms of a lot of other people's definitions. Um, and I've also never offered any services on the work brighter side of, ex- of things, except for like my very first experiment with that, that lasted a month, <laughs> a few years ago. Um, but I get asked a lot about like productivity coaching or consulting on the work brighter side. Um, and even though I do find that stuff super fun, um, part, that's part of the reason that I created the clubhouse because like, that's, you know, I do kind of offer coaching inside of my membership, but like, I cannot take on like a ton of one-on-one calls. I am so, you know, we talked about this earlier. I'm so in tune with my introvert wall. I cannot make a huge arm of my business dependent on one-on-one conversations, Uh, And so that is something that consistently comes up and is consistently something I know that I could do, but I've been really hesitant to do it. Well, and I think there's an aspect to the business that you could run and you could be good at, but isn't the business that you should be running for yourself and what you want. Exactly. Exactly. Like I come from the tech startup space before I started my own business. And something they talk about there is the different kinds of fit. Like there's product market fit. And that's what I consider everything I could do. And then, but then there's also a product founder fit. And that's like when what you're doing is a right fit for you and your strengths. And like, that's what I should do. I love that. Um, Yeah. So I think before we wrap up, is there anything that you think we should talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I just want to go back to one recommendation around the whole smoothness and friction thing, Uh, especially for anyone like me who can get really caught up in productivity guilt and feeling like you're not working enough no matter how much you work. Um, Because (laughs) especially like, yeah, (laughs) the more we systemize our businesses, like the easier it gets to work, you know, like it gets to the point where like as soon as you open up your computer or your phone, a very nice detailed list of everything you have to do right now, like pops up for you. Um, and so it can be hard to balance that with then making sure to get in like the, uh, rest and self care side of things too. Mm -hmm. And I know that was my problem and that really exacerbated my health stuff for a while. Um, and for a long time I was trying to figure out how to kind of balance my work with the recharging needed to do good work. And I kept finding it really difficult to deprioritize productivity. Um, and so a therapist that I was working with at the time says like, well, what if you just learn to take this other stuff and like treat it more equally to how you treat work? And so systemizing self-care is kind of what we 
called that little project. And I just really worked on decreasing friction around self-care. So like making writing in my journal um, or something like that, or um, like meditating as easy as checking my email or to-do list. Um, Because we do tend to systemize our businesses a lot. And it does get to the point where it's just so easy to keep working and keep working and keep working unless we make it just as easy to switch over to something else. Well, and I think, um, you know, in the online business space, especially there's so many messages that say, you know, you have to put in the hours, you have to be working hard, you have to put in the work to be able to be successful. And I, I do think you're exactly spot on with that, that with that comes a lack of self-care, a lack of prioritizing all of the stuff that you need to do to take care of yourself to be able to do good work. So can you talk to me a little bit about like what specific stuff did you put in place to make self-care easier? Like how did you make meditating as easy as turning on your computer and doing work? Well, first of all, I literally have all of it in the same project management system. Uh, So like I'm using Notion these days and I literally have like my different projects and like most of them are business projects, but then I also have self-care and that has like, so daily on my to-do list, you know, like right next to, you know, prepare for this podcast interview this morning was also journaling with the questions that I use to journal and to take my pills. And so I just kind of embraced the fact that I'm addicted to my to-do list and I made sure the right things were on that to-do list. Incorporating into systems that you already have, even ones with, even even the system you're using for work and taking advantage of that system that you've already built, like making taking, sure that the stuff that you really care about is in there. Exactly. Like in taking advantage of the tools and tech you use in your work too. There is an amazing article, I think in the Atlantic earlier this year, about this growing trend of families and like roommate households, you know, just different kinds of households using things like Trello and spreadsheets and project management systems for household stuff and interpersonal stuff. And it was, the article was kind of like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And it looked at both sides, but like for someone like me, that is nothing but a good thing. It has been brought nothing but good to my life. And I, I love stories where like tech and systems like can actually change things because yeah. um, I love researching them. I love using that's Yeah, it's like Google Sheets is the new refrigerator short chart and I am here for it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I I do that. My husband and I have like a shared notes on our phone for like yep. shopping lists and stuff to remember. And now we started the like what does everybody want for Christmas list? And oh my god! Wait, I need to now read you the the tweet that I sent my partner <laughs> last night. It was it's a tweet that says the type A love language starter pack: calendar <laughs> invites, itineraries, spreadsheets, shared to do lists, sheer effort. <laughs> <laughs> and like That's credit so to that Twitter user, uh, the Twitter user Duretti. That's um, but yeah, I just definitely I sent it type to him. A. My husband and I do yeah. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> um, I love ending on that. So um, if our listeners want to connect with you or learn more about Work Brighter or any of your other projects, where can they find you? Sure. So website, I am workbrighter.co. And on Instagram, workbrighter. And on Twitter, I am personally that Bieberg. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. 